You're listening to a very moody sports show with Daniel Moody and Zach Whittington. Brought to you by Moody and Sons Electric. For any electrical needs, call Moody and Sons at 864-478-4328. That's 864-478-4328. Welcome into a very moody sports show. I'm Daniel Moody. And this is Zach Whittington on a breakfast club edition. Coming at you bright and early Saturday morning. Good morning, Take away Zach. Dan. Good morning. I have my coffee. Coffee? Present? Pure, purity Check. coffee. Mine's but also there's... purity. What? Yeah, I did. I ground mine up. The package you gave me. Shout out, Zach. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, working on that purity coffee. It's delicious. Oh, man. Uh, wow. A little advertisement for My you. My heart's smiling. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Zach, this has been a weird week of uh, sports so far. I actually think it was actually pretty interesting, even though we are past the draft of the NFL. Obviously, lots to talk about with the draft from the NFL. I thought it was a very strange draft as far as players taken and where they were taken. But overall, I thought the draft being the first virtual draft went fantastic. Your opinions? Uh, I mean, it went smoothly, if that's what you mean by fantastic. Was it entertaining? Not really. Uh, do I want to see Roger Goodell sitting with a sweater on, laid back in his chair in his lounge? No. Do I want to spend any more time on a laptop than I do already? No. <laughs> so, virtual draft's cool that it happened, but if we're talking about from a pure fan enjoyment standpoint, no. The Nashville draft was rowdy. Or Memphis. The Memphis outdoor draft was amazing. The drafts have been getting cooler and cooler and more packed and more packed. And I understand a pandemic can stop all of that. <laughs> but if if you want me to replace the normal draft with the pandemic version of an online Zoom draft, I'm gonna that's gonna be a hard no. It's gonna be a hard but but it may be smarter in the grand scheme of things <clears throat> to just do it this way. Logistically. What is the point in making these families who of these players who are potentially getting drafted? If you're even if you're a top pick, you're probably not a wealthy person. <laughs> your family's exactly. probably not wealthy. If the school's not paying for you to go to the draft or your agent's not paying for you to go to the draft, why would you pay all that money to like stress on your family to pick everybody up and go up there? I understand it's a lifetime achievement. You're getting drafted to the NFL. But for a fourth-round pick, it's there for four days, and he might not make the practice squad, and y'all spent six grand on hotels and bottles for a weekend for your family because you thought you were getting drafted. (laughs) Maybe you should have sat at home and did the online draft. Exactly. I think the at-home version is exciting, too, because you get to see these players, and obviously not this one exactly because of the the, uh, social distancing orders, Um, but you get to see an at-home reaction. You get to see... So, like, imagine seeing your favorite player, even if he's not a number one pick and you don't get to see him walk up and shake Roger Goodell's hand, but uh, you get to see him at home with his family and he has a mass party and everybody's going crazy. That's going to be a fun thing to get to witness. Um, And I think they've... I I personally, as far as the draft, my favorite part of the draft is sitting there watching them talk about the pick and getting to watch the players film and uh, highlights from college and whatnot. I think that's awesome. So I actually, you mentioned that to me, uh, last podcast, I think, but, uh, 
the first round, there's always, like, a hard backstory. You get, like, some childhood, where they're from, a clip of their high school. But then once you get in, like, rounds two, three, four, five, 30 seconds of the best clips they have on this man onto the next pick. Those are awesome. It's dope. <laughs> it's awesome. It's perfect. Literally, yeah. best part of the draft is, like, five through seven. Love it. And it's kind of a shame that Gruden is a coach now because we don't get the Gruden, the John Gruden commentary on all these pieces. He's like, I love this guy. I love, love this guy. Scott Wolf. Oh my God. Zach, you got a you got a little Gruden in you, it sounds like a god. Um so hey. it's uh hey. been we can talk we can talk about the draft uh I think I think overall success, but uh I think we definitely can be talking about draft grades and who won, who did well in the draft in your opinion, Zach. So uh let's start with you on who do you think more or less was the best team as far as draft picks were top to bottom. The best team as far as draft picks top to bottom. All right. Hey man, let's start with the number 1 pick. Let's start with Joe Burrow. Let's start with Cincinnati. They not only brought in the quarterback of the future and released Andy Dalton officially, what was it, yesterday or two days ago? Today's Saturday. It was either Thursday or Friday they released Andy Dalton. And then they also drafted my boy out of Clemson, T. Higgins, got him a weapon. So now you're coming into a Cincinnati Bengals offense who's rejuvenated through Joe Burrow and all of his swag. Joe Mixon in the backfield, proven back. A.J. Green, one of the best wide receivers you've ever had. I mean, there's actually a long list of good wide receivers. Not a long list, but there's a couple wide receivers better than A.J. Green that have played for the Bengals, a.k.a. They've had great Ocho runs, Cinco, wide receivers. Chad Ochocinco, and then also T.J. Hushmanzada. Shout out. He's a great one. And uh, you also got – so you still got A.J. Green. You got T. Higgins. You got Joe Burrow. You got Joe Mixon. You also have the fastest man ever at the Combine, John Ross, who ran a four two eight, either – I think it was two years ago – and so that's your weapons you're working with is Joe Burrow. That's a pretty good draft. I mean, just off two players alone, you got maybe the best quarterback in the draft, and you got one of the better receivers in the draft. So that's instant impact, if you're asking me. Incident impact. You have Devin, and then they also worked on the uh, defensive side a little bit, picked up a couple linebackers, a defensive end out of Notre Dame. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was a good draft for them overall. Definitely agree with you that the offensive side is both instant impact players, especially I think T. Higgins is going to blow people out of the water. 6'4", 216, this man, and he's going to put on weight. He's going to you know get a little bigger when we get in the NFL. They get, get into that workout routine. Um, so I'm interested to see what T. Higgins can do, but I do think he's going to be a pretty explosive receiver for them, especially opposite, because A.J. Green's going to get a lot of focus coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully he's fully healthy, too. I hope A.J. Green is fully healthy and feels good, ready for the season, if, you know, barring any issues with what the about, season. <clears throat> what about you, Dan? First team that stands out to you in your head? I know I said the Bengals. It's probably not the best overall, but just from a star impact, instant impact, that's where I'm at. Uh, as far as for me, I think overall just top to bottom draft looked the best was probably a lot of people are saying Arizona they like the pick of Isaiah Simmons to open up and uh but I personally thought Baltimore was the most impressive because not only did they get a lot of key good players but they also they had a lot of picks like Dude, they JK had about Dobbin 10 to 12 rounds JK Dobbin second round Devin Duvernay out of Texas in the third round late third <clears> round that's a huge pickup hey um, and I want y'all to go back on the records too to when me and Dan had some uh mock drafts 
Their third-round pick, Justin Matabuki, out of Texas A&M defensive lineman, I was watching his combine. We, I know I talked about him on our combine episode. Man's measurables, he jumped off the screen to me when I was watching the defensive lineman. So, talk about great picks. Great picks from top to bottom. Yeah, so. first-rounder Patrick uh, Patrick Queen out of LSU, who had a great uh, playoff run with the LSU Tigers, who obviously won the did national championship. See, Impressive um, draft, in my LSU? opinion. They had a player drafted at every single position. They also they had fourteen players drafted. I think LSU did actually make a uh, argument as far as like draft aspects and uh, the, what the team did through the season as far as like greatest call one of the greatest college football teams of all time. Like just as far Especially, as like fourteen yeah, Ed Ogeron up there winning a title. That's not like yep. a Saban. Like I hate Mm-mm. to say it's not even like a Dabo. But if you want to submit yourself. Welcome to the club, O. Keep Ed, it rolling. Ed is in the club, and like, yeah, I think, and he does seem like a guy who could potentially keep it rolling if he has the mm-hmm. right play at quarterback. Um, so yeah, and then uh, I also think another team outside of the Cardinals that I think looked really good as far as drafts us was the Broncos. Man, um, they don't exact. I don't know. They have Drew Locke. They don't. They are convinced on him. I don't know what they have with him exactly. We'll have to see. But I think. As far as like giving him chances, you pick up Jerry Judy in the first round, and then second round you go for KJ Hamler out of Penn State, who is fantastic. And then you also take uh, the Missouri tight end Albert. Obviously, I can't say that last name. Akubanga. Uh, we'll give you he, a C for effort. He, he C for effort. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, I definitely would have graded myself a zero. Um, he's six six, uh, two ninety eight, and this man he has hands like. As a Georgia fan, I've watched him three years against us, four years against us, and like he is a dominant tight end. Um, they improved defensively. They improved on the uh, uh, offensive side, especially in the offensive trenches. Uh, got a couple uh, key players as far as uh, going to probably take up pretty quick jobs. Um, and then also late and picked up Tyree Cleveland, another receiver out of Florida. Like I think I think they gave Drew Locke pieces to work with, but. I'm still not convinced Drew Locke is your man as far as long-term After success. After all of this quarterback sh- shufflery that John Elway has done, we're, we're, Drew Locke's the one. <laughs> He's, He's the, the one. He's our guy. <laughs> Drew Locke is the lucky winner of The Price is Right after 10 quarterbacks have been there in the last five years. I don't believe it. I think it's going to be 11. And if I was Elway, I would have went for somebody like Cam. I would have went for – out of the quarterbacks left on the board, you ha- – Cam Newton's the one you would have to take a chance on out of everybody because that man is – he's like half machine if you want to talk about it. Like, I understand he got hurt a little bit, but – It's risky. But. It's, it's risky, but the the payoff – could be huge. <laughs> you could it could. you could have a four thousand yard passing, one thousand yard rushing Cam Newton. Especially especially with the receivers, like I said, you just you give Cam Newton Jerry Judy, imagine that combo. He's gotta get him the ball though, man. Just gotta get him the I've ball. I've watched Cam Newton throw the ball as hard as he can and it doesn't go anywhere and it's <laughs> okay. inaccurate. He literally like has to put so much effort into it and it doesn't even get to the receiver. And I'm like, you're six six, you should do it with a flick of the wrist. Oh man. Poor Cam. Everybody hates on his passing. I mean, I think I don't. I do. He's agree not that with good of a think passer. Cam, he's <laughs> not a great passer. He's definitely like mediocre at best. But like, he's a competitor. I'll give him that. And he's also um, a reigning MVP. So what are we supposed to do? He 
Yeah, at one point he was. Not reigning, but a former, excuse me. Former MVP. Um, So, Zach, any teams that stand out to you as far as had a tough draft, bad draft? Right before we go to tough draft, I will shout out a couple other teams. I think the Dolphins did well. Picked up Tua. Absolutely. Not flashy. You can't pass on the Tua pick, but then you also had some linemen pickups, some defensive help, good draft, ton of picks. Brian Flores. Love it. Go Fins. Go Fins. And then uh, who's starting week one? Tua or Fitzmagic? Tua. Tua. Oh, no, it's going to be Fitzmagic, but uh, I think that's not a long-term thing. Like, and then another team I think trade. did pretty well, the Cowboys, man. I think uh, Oh yeah. I think 17th pick C.D. Lamb, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. I, I do believe that sort of fell in their laps a bit more over than uh, them actually getting him, but uh, that's still a really good pickup as far as just being able to get him because that's going to be – He's going to wear number 88. By whose, up whose and, decision was that? Uh, that was what the fans wanted to believe, and then they gave it to him. Uh, so he's taken over the Des Bryant, you know, all great. Have you not heard uh, the story? Receivers. So Jerry Jones. All right. All right. So we're going to get a little Jersey talk about C.D. Lamb. Here's your Cowboys talk for the week. So C.D. Lamb, <clears throat> number 17th pick in the first, ra- first round by the Dallas Cowboys, played wide receiver at Oklahoma. He wore number two. Number two. Those. That's two that's that's two ones. He uh he wore number two. Come to the NFL. The NFL has a set of rules. If you play the position wide receiver, you have to choose between the numbers ten and nineteen or eighty and eighty nine. That's it. If you're a wide receiver. So obviously number two is not inside of that. And so what does C D Lamb do? He tweets out from his personal Twitter, I'm choosing the number ten in honor of DeAndre Hopkins because that was my favorite player growing up. And that's what everyone expected. CeeDee Lamb's going to be number 10. People probably bought their pre-made jerseys. Like, they've probably personalized their own CeeDee Lamb jerseys, 10 with the lamb on the back. But there's one big but here, and it's the one big but that's always in Dallas, and it's Jerry Jones. (laughs) 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 Jerry Jones played... In the 70s, on a national championship college football team, Southern Arkansas. Maybe. Don't quote me. No, just Arkansas. Just Arkansas? Yeah, regular Arkansas. The Hogs. Yeah, so he played there. He was an offensive guard. Shout out, I was an offensive guard. Me and Jerry Jones. See, all I got to do is find an oil company. I'm just like... You a pool and guard? (laughs) Do that pool move? He had a best friend on the team whose name was Jerry Lamb. And Jerry Lamb played wide receiver, and he wore number 88. And that was Jerry Jones' best friend on the national championship Arkansas team. Fast forward to today, number 88 for the Cowboys means a few different things. It means Drew Pearson back in the day. It means uh, Michael Irvin from the 90s, and it means Des Bryant. And it means... You're probably going to the Hall of Fame or played at a Hall of Fame level at one point if you're going to wear ADA for the Cowboys. So, Dan, what are the obvious problems? You're putting a lot of pressure on the rookie by making him wear 88. Jerry Jones at all. literally <laughs> wants C.D. Lamb to choose the number 88 because he had a friend 40 years ago who wore 88 and his last name was Lamb. So instead of letting this guy choose his own path and have the number 10 and make that famous... Jerry Jones wants to see a memory of his friend on the field, 88 Lamb. 
I mean, but I also understand putting the pressure on CD to perform by giving him that number. If you're going to wear 88 for the Cowboys, you better not be no Busta. So. Nope, that's a lot. I do agree. There's a lot of pressure on him. But C.D. Lamb, I do think it will be a bright spot for the Cowboys as far as instant impact. Uh, even with the receivers already there, he's he's quite he's quite the receiver. So, so Dan, uh, I know you're a fan and I'm a player. <clears throat> but how important do you think numbers are? How do you think it's a big deal that your owner made you pick a number, or do you think you should be able to choose, or do you think it's all malarkey? I think I think you should be able to choose whatever number you want to wear, but at the same time, like Jerry Jones asked me as a CD Lamb to wear number eighty-eight, and then gave me the paycheck he gave me. Yeah, I'll wear number eighty-eight. I'm not that worried about it. <coughs> That's a very understandable view, and I like that because hey, I'm grateful to be here. You want me to be eighty-eight? Oh my god, I'll be I'll be eighty-eight point two if that's what you want me to do. I was about <laughs> to say, I, you, if you want me to be hat and half one slash two on my jersey, I'll be a half player, whatever. But here's, I got you. Here's my thing with the CD Lamb pick. I like it because he was the best player available. But you already have Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, and uh, I just. Mari Cooper, number one. CeeDee Lamb will be number two halfway through the season over Michael Gallup. I understand that. I understand that. But I don't think your wide receiving core was the problem. I think it was your blocking and your quarterback and your lack of a run game with Ezekiel Elliott looking like he's has a weighted vest on. Well, this was a team that uh, last year, as far as just offensively, it was literally one of, like, I think it was the best offensive team as far as production last year. Eight and um, eight. Eight and eight, but, <laughs> like, it, I think more over the finger typically could be pointed to the defense. And there were obviously some games where they scored really, really high, did really well. Well, the like, defense underperformed compared to the previous But the years. defense definitely underperformed. Um, so I think that the, the, they addressed the defense a little bit this year. A second pick was Trayvon Diggs from Alabama's cornerback. And I think that's going to be a bit of a lockdown corner for you. So we'll see what they do as far as that. But, yeah, outside of taking C.D. Lamb, they go – all defensive players, and then uh, James Madison. They uh, draft the quarterback out of James Madison. Um, So we'll see what happens with them. But I think, I mean, Dak's their quarterback this year, but at the same time, you're going to have all these receivers, and, like, if you don't pay Dak next year, what are they all there for? Because you're going to be paying Brian Hoyer to come in or something? Like, that's going to be... That's oh, no, my concern damn. is, like, really, you're you're already paying everybody, and you got C.D. Lamb, and he's going to be on the rookie contract, but, like, at what point do you stop picking up people that you have to pay and pay the person that is key to the operation right now, which is Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott, in the past few years, has proven himself oh, a key to the operation. Hmm. Um, so... We'll see uh, what happens with them. I think one other team that is uh, noteworthy as far as a good draft, I thought the Lions did well for themselves, Uh, picked up some running backs to go with Matthew Stafford, Uh, definitely improved on the defense. So I think think the Lions did really well as far as their drafting. Uh, (laughs) And they picked up some guards, Uh, got uh, Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin, which we've talked about being, I think he's going to be a good receiver. So I think they did well. First team all name. 
Um, go check out our website. We have a couple new editorials. Uh, Zach's, we're going to be working on the all all defense, all team name, uh, all name team. So uh, yeah, we'll be uh, check out the website, uh, moodysportspage.com. <laughs> no, uh, that so was Zach, that's twenty minutes worth of draft talk already. So as far can, as draft, we can get it moving. Bam. Get moving on. So Zach, did uh, we got one of the biggest uh, sports docu series going right now with the Last Dance? We're on episode five and six coming out this Sunday. Uh, supposed to be uh, like issues. Uh, they'll be discussing issues with between Jordan and Horace Grant, uh, things of that nature. I do believe this may be a bit of the set 92 93 season when he they got the championship first three pete and then they moved on uh he moved on for to a few years so we may be getting into that uh but these past three two episodes three and four dennis rodman based and talking about the 1991 championship him getting over the hump of the uh, detroit pistons the bad boys talking about magic versus jordan a bit so uh zach uh i know that you are a dennis rodman fan obviously you know about dennis rodman all sorts of about him um did you have any thoughts as far as as uh, things you heard over the week about I mean, the pod, about the the thing is, Dennis Rodman's life showed. was played out in front of us, anyways. So this is just a recap, basically, of what a lot of Americans saw the first time. Because even with Jordan and Pippen and a couple, a few of these guys, Rodman really was <laughs> he was in the media all the time. Like he was in WWE wrestling with Carl Malone. He was. He's been to North Korea with Kim Jong-un. He, he dyed his hair. He was the only player on the video game with colorful <laughs> hair. He is elaborate, cross-dressing. You could pretty much put Dennis Rodman blank. You could play Mad Libs with somebody, anything, and it's believable. It's kind of like the Mike Tyson theory. You can literally make up any fact about Mike Tyson and it, it's almost believable. You could do the same thing with Dennis Rodman. So just make up a random I would fact about it. Dennis Rodman. Yeah. It's believable. Here's the thing I enjoy about Dennis Rodman. <clears throat> and here's a quote that I liked that I saw from uh, the last dance and this week. Michael Jordan was dedicated to scoring the basketball like none other. He was determined to be the best player in the world at scoring. And Dennis Rodman had that same intensity and same concentration and dedication to rebounding. That The iconic clips where Dennis Rodman is a full extension diving for a ball out of bounds, here's the thing. As a player, there is really no reason to go get that ball. The effort is amazing, and the want to just put your body on the line and lay out for it, yes, maybe you could have got the ball and thrown it in bounds. But those iconic clips of him diving for rebounds where people are loving that, that's kind of him just stat padding, man. You grab the ball before it goes out of bounds. You got a rebound, but you also just got a turnover. <laughs> so. <laughs> but it, but it's, it does. I think, I think there were many times that he gets it back into his teammate, but I also think it does. It just it sort of, it gets your team going. Like you see it's somebody like, doing that. Then you are this willing to go step it up. Exactly. That's your turning to it to the next level. If LeBron can play defense and be the defensive leader 
How can you not match that intensity? You have LeBron on your team on defense. You can't get worried about getting beat because your man's going to help you out. Like, you got to play with your ears pinned back and full intensity, full hustle, which is what Rodman did, which is what we want LeBron to do. <laughs> but he's a little too old now. I mean, I understand defensive woes. What we want older, to see every player doing all the time. Still, You still have the best body in the NBA, LeBron. Like, I'm supposed to give you credit. And I'm sitting here bashing LeBron as we're in the middle of a quarantine because of Dennis Rodman. But it's, it's <laughs> I'm starting to see a lot of arguments. This last dance is making Kobe's legacy better than LeBron's because people are putting that six championship wins that Michael Jordan had and the five wins that Kobe had. They're starting to really change the – tone towards LeBron's six finals losses. Really understand. You know, so. Well, you're, start, you're starting to understand also sort of, I think especially with Jordan, you're starting to understand like what sort of drove him on the inside. And uh, it's impressive just to see that there is somebody out there that has this dedication and drive that like, you know, he was the best basketball player of all time. And he, you know, was going to win a championship eventually. He, I don't think he had to win six championships to establish himself as that, but like he did. And like he was at the top pretty quick and like he could have settled for just MVPs and settled for offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, things of that nature. But then he realized, uh, and they sort of talk about it in the episode uh, three and four uh, about that. He hits these pistons that like keep knocking him out of the, knock him out of the playoffs and they can't get past them. And then uh, that final, the, the 91, uh, 90, 90 uh, off season, 1990 off seasons, when they saw they hit, they stopped going out on the uh, during off season, stopped going off on vacation and stuff. Jordan hits the gym, gets everybody in the gym. They start talking about him, uh, <laughs> just the amount of work he's putting in. And then the next season comes out and he dominates, just dominates through the regular season, dominates through the playoffs beats the Pistons, beats Magic and the uh, Lakers for the for the 1991 championship, which eventually starts the three the six championship run. Um, so, I mean, I think that's really what we're sort of seeing. And then compared to LeBron, we haven't seen what LeBron does on a day. And, like, obviously you know that LeBron puts in a lot of work to keep himself at the physical peak condition he's at. But we don't we haven't had that deep dive background look yet on what uh, – and, and I do think another thing of LeBron, key is is like LeBron's come in and LeBron didn't have that time when like he was struggling to get by a team um you know he did have to go to Miami to win the championship with D Wade and all of them but I think that's just a key factor of like you got to have players around you to win championships 18 um, but, like, he came in he was an 18 and, like, year old too he was Jordan bullying was everybody immediately like Zion's you know, like, 18 year old like exactly Jordan was 30 it before Jordan he started a couple of years anything. to even like get to the point of being able to like establish a little dominance over somebody exactly so that's what I think LeBron's a little different just the fact that we've been watching him do it at such a young age such such a consistent basis where Jordan it was where if he didn't up, go play baseball he hit they might have won just 10 like great six run greatness easily <laughs> easily I think I think that's an mm-hmm. I think it, I mean Look who won it when they were gone. The Trailblazers won it. The Rockets won it twice. 
Those rockets got beat by well, the, here's by Isaiah the Blues multiple times before they so knocked out. Ever you know? since so I just don't, I think aired, it's right there. The bad boy Pistons have been in the media like crazy, especially Isaiah Thomas. But he said, man, Jordan wasn't that good in the 90s. He didn't beat us. He didn't beat the bad boys in the 80s. He didn't beat Bird in the Celtics. They were in the 80s. He didn't beat Magic in the Lakers in the 80s. He beat an old Magic in the Lakers in the 90s. He... Then he beat the Jazz, who was basically Stockton and Malone and nobody else. And then after that, I mean, Isaiah Thomas literally said Jordan didn't beat nobody until Chicago was the only superpower in the league. They had tough runs definitely through the playoffs and stuff. But, yeah, I think you're right. Compared to what the other, like, compared to the 80s, where you had the Six, the Celtics, you had the uh, Lakers, you had the uh, the Pistons, obviously. There were just multiple. The Pacers were great back then, too. We could also uh, compete consistently. So, like, there's just, I think that's a definitely a note to take as far as, like, Jordan definitely yeah, and played the only competition as far as, like, in the time where he Shaq could dominate more. And uh, Orlando. And then what does Shaq do? He heads out to L.A. So. Well, uh, and I do think one other thing I saw in this episode that I do want to talk about was uh, there was a point when uh, they were talking about Dennis Rodman. Uh, he, you know, always had to have, he was extravagant, like you said. At one point he had to go, he asked for a 48-hour vacation to Las Vegas uh, before they had like a game and uh, like three days. It was a little break over the weekend. Uh, so he goes to Vegas. The 48-hour vacation turns into 54 hours, which turns into like 68 hours. Uh, they eventually have to send Michael Jordan to Vegas to get uh, Dennis Rodman from Vegas, bring him back to go to practice. And uh, Jordan said when they, in the interview, said when they, he was like, I will not tell you what I saw in that bedroom, in that hotel room. I went in there and I got Dennis Rodman and I left with Dennis Rodman. We know that Carmen Electra was potentially in the room, but it seems that there was a lot of stuff going on. I just thought it was hilarious that uh, Dennis Rodman literally gets dragged out of Vegas, flies back to the Bulls organization in Chicago for practice. And uh, Jordan said that they were worried. They, they were worried about him being like they were going to have a tough practice because of him and uh, he was going to struggle through it. So it was going to be even extended. And they said that he went out there and was just outpacing all of them at practice. It's hilarious. I'm like, of course he was. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I thought, I think the yet again, documentary is still doing great. I think uh, the episodes are getting better and better. We'll see what the next few entail. But uh, coming out Sunday, 9 o'clock uh, on ESPN. Catch it if you want to. Uh, Zach, uh, one thing I did want to talk about before we get out of here, I watched last night uh, on ESPN a uh, E60 premiered uh, documenting, pro- it's called Project 11, and documented Alex Smith's injury to his leg back in November of 2018 uh, in, during the season uh, against the Texans uh, and the recovery process that he's gone through since then and everything that happened. And uh, I won't really get into details on on it other than uh, just want to say Alex Smith uh, I think is an underrated quarterback 
Um, I definitely never thought he was all that great, but like I think this man is a he's definitely he's definitely a top tier quarterback as far as competitiveness and uh, just consistency as far as performing uh, throughout the year uh, and a man that I feel like was underappreciated. He lost his job to Patrick Mahomes, uh, lost his job to in San Francisco to uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick. So I think it's just been, I think he's definitely had a tough career. A lot of people that sort of passed up on him eventually. Um, but uh, this documentary was crazy. E60 was crazy. Uh, the What happened to him after that injury, the first four days, the in uh, the just eventually eight to nine days into the after the injury he was in life or death mode um they were he was at the hospital he did like 17 surgeries um it was crazy uh if you want to watch it i would suggest watching it because it is interesting but i will warn you if you have a light stomach mm-hmm. or you are not cool with like hospital things gruesome things do not watch this because it's 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 graphic it is pretty crazy what happened to that man and uh just hats off to alex smith and i'm glad he is actually on full recovery he still he has in his mind still right now that football is a potential there's three three years left on the contract with washington so former first round he pick, says that man, he still feels you know, football not is a first round number for one so, overall uh, pick, really cool alex smith the aaron Rodgers draft 49ers took Alex Smith number one, and Aaron Rodgers has been pissed ever since. So, on a closing thought, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> let's get a but, little discussion in before we get out of here, Dan. The Packers, as we know, last week took Jordan Love, traded up to the pick a quarterback at the end of the first round. Dan, how many years mm-hmm. over under does Rodgers have left in Green Bay? One. Over under one year. Does he have more or less? Give me... Give me over, but in my opinion, that man should get out now. Go the Patriots. (laughs) That's the thing. He He should leave them high and dry sitting with Jordan Love as their quarterback because they're convinced that he's the guy. But what's going to happen is most likely is you get another year of two of Rodgers and it's just disgruntled Rodgers, but he's out there playing, you know, and he's trying to win because he wants to win a Super Bowl. Like if you're out there playing football, you're going to try to win the Super Bowl. doesn't matter if you hate your team or not, I think. Um, So, but I think you're going to have two years of that. And then year three to four of uh, Jordan Love's contract, like you got to get that man in there and see what you're working with before you hit year five and have to sign him to a long-term deal or trade him off. So you're going to have to eventually get to the point where you play him. So, yeah, I don't think it's long, but mm-hmm. I, if I was Aaron Rodgers, I'd get the hell out of there, man. Of Forget forgetting that team. teams My forgetting old names. We're not going to let you do that because they need to be remembered. Dan, what episode are we on? 39? 39. So, there's only one famous 39. 39. You A lot right. of you older listeners are going to love this one. Miami Dolphins. Running back slash fullback. Larry Richard Zonka. Number 39. Zonka! Zonka. Six, three and a half, two forty. 240 running back. Are you going to tackle him, Dan? Oh, no, man. I, I literally step aside, let that man by. 
a first-round pick Good in the day. 1968 NFL draft out of Syracuse, Larry Zonka. Two-time Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, five-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro, NFL Comeback Player of the Year. His number 39 is retired by the Dolphins. The Orangeman. with 8,000 rushing yards and 64 touchdowns, which – Hey, man, it's back in the day, so if you did anything, you were good. So, Larry Zonka, (laughs) the mustache man himself. Stash. I shave mine, Zach. I don't know if you've noticed. I also shaved the beard. Had to. Uh, I was getting itchy, so. Well, here's the thing, Dan, about facial hair. It will be back. It's coming back. It's already coming back strong quick. (laughs) So, And just like facial hair, we will be back next week with a 40th episode of A Very Moody Sports Show. This is Zach Whittington. I'm Daniel Moody. Y'all have a great week, guys. Check us out on our website, too, www.moodysportspage.com, M-O-O-D-Y, sports page, all lowercase, all one word, dot com. See you next week. Thank you for listening to A Very Moody Sports Show with Daniel Moody and Zach Whittington. Follow us on Instagram, Spotify, and Twitter at Moody Sports Page. That's right, a new name, Moody Sports Page. And listen up next week for good predictions and hot takes.